This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, everybody. How are you? It's actually a seat for my coffee. Not really. Someone is going to sit there later, so stick around. He knows. I told him partway through uh, the second song, and I know he started worshiping more powerfully then. Because, you know, when you're up on stage, you just get a little nervous and you start to pray. So uh, I'm Kevin, and I get to be here with you fine people this morning. I was driving to work, uh, work being church here with you, which uh, doesn't really work, just a lot of fun. Uh, but I was driving, I got my coffee in my hand, and, and I'm driving down Petaluma Hill Road, coming down to Petaluma this morning, and uh, the most beautiful sunrise was coming up over the, the hills. And I had to stop, and I had to pull out my phone and take a few pictures because I feel like I haven't seen the sun in a while. Uh, my wife loves Seattle, and this week I reminded her why I would never live in Seattle. Uh, and I was just, I was struck by the beauty of the sunrise this morning. Uh, I, was in, I was actually standing in the middle of the street. Uh, kids don't try this at home, but it was early, and, and so I'm taking pictures on my phone and just thinking about how, how amazing God is that he would create this sunrise. And then I also started thinking, Man, I wonder uh, how people are feeling coming into today. Do you feel like your life this week or this month has been characterized by the weather? Uh, storms, just rain and, and, and hail and wind, and you, don't, you just don't know where the sun is, when it's going to come out. You feel like it's just dark all the time, and there's flooding, and, and there's just a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of sadness, just a, a lot of, uh, just that feeling of, oh, man, I can't even get outside because it's just so wet and so cold. Uh, I was guessing that there are people who are feeling like that, who are feeling a little hopeless, uh, feeling that the sun may never come out. And I want to encourage you, the sun came out this morning. Uh, I saw the sunrise. It was beautiful. God wants to meet you even in the storm, and he wants to bring you to a place where you can watch the sunrise, where you can remember his beauty, uh, his goodness. He will meet you. He will work even in the areas of pain and hurt, and that's his promise to us, and I was reminded of that as I watched uh, the sunrise. So uh, if you don't have young children, set your alarm. If you do have young children, you'll be up, but watch the sunrise sometime. It's just beautiful. Uh, we live in a world that is, is pretty sectioned off, right? There, there are uh, all sorts of compartments. We have work, and then we have free time, we have family, we have friends, we have acquaintances, we have enemies, and they all kind of fall into their own little categories. Uh, we have the things that we're passionate about and the things we don't really like. Uh, we have sports, uh, we, have, uh, we, have, we have faith, we have all these different things and all these different compartments, these different sections in our lives. And sometimes it can feel a little schizophrenic. It can feel like we're doing this and we have this hat on now and then we have a different hat on when we're uh, on this day and then on Sunday we put on the, our church hat and we come and we have this faith experience for a couple hours. Um, but that is not how God created us. See, there's a danger in compartmentalizing everything, and the danger would be that we would see God as another option, another compartment, another section that we could either take or leave. Uh, or, or maybe worse than that is that we would say yes to God, but we would just put him in a little section, a little corner of our lives that wouldn't really impact us. And then we think, well, I've been experiencing this God thing for a while, but it's not really changing my life because I haven't really given God freedom over my whole life. I've just put him in a, a section, in a compartment. 
something I do, something I check off, and that's not what God wants for us. See, throughout the Bible, when people had an experience with God, it began to change everything. It began to transform their whole lives. Now, they weren't perfect. Far from it. Uh, If you're ever feeling uh, like you're just not getting it, just read the Bible. You'll take comfort in the fact that people didn't always get it, but they were in the process of experiencing transformation, of letting God speak into their whole lives. As we enter into this, uh, this journey with God, uh, God wants to, to make that, make himself, make a relationship with him, the thing that actually brings all these crazy compartments together into a whole life. Uh, so we wouldn't have different sections, but God would be the thing that underlies all of it. So we'd have a life of, of passion, a life marked by transformation, a lar- life marked by influence, uh, both in our families and our core friends, but also with everyone we come in contact with. We, they would be influenced by the things that we do, by our life. And we're in this series called Integrated Faith. We're asking the question, how does this relationship with God run throughout the multidimensional, the multifaceted areas of my life? How does this relationship with God bring the compartments together into a whole life? Where everything has a spiritual dynamic to it, a spiritual dimension to it, where every part of what I do and what I say and who I am and how I act, they all come together uh, in the context of this relationship with God. If God is the author writing this great story of human history, uh, we have to ask ourselves, what is my place in the story? If God's a composer writing a song, we have to ask ourselves, am I in rhythm with the song that God is writing? Have I given God the freedom to come in and, and, and engage me in all of who I am, not just in part, because in that we'll find true life, in that we'll find transformation, in that we'll find healing, and we'll find, we'll find wholeness, and we'll find passion and purpose. We've been trying to answer this question of what does it look like to let God into every part of my life by looking at the reason that we exist as a community here at New Life. We exist as a community here at New Life to connect to God and other people, to develop as followers of Christ, and to move into lifestyles of service. If we're not doing those things, then there's really no point in coming together. See, that, that's where th- this, uh, this whole life, this transformation will be found as we connect with God and other people, as we develop into the people that God wants us to be, and as we move into lifestyles of service. Two weeks ago, uh, Ron talked to us about the idea that God wants to connect with us and be at the foundation of all that we are, and that, and that God would have us connect with other people, which moved us into last week and to develop that life groups are really the key place where transformation happens because life groups are this place where we get together with a small group of people who are walking the same journey with us, who will challenge and encourage us, who will, will pray with us, who will laugh and cry and, and help us experience all of the things that God would have for us. And so we encourage you, get into a life group. If you're in a life group, take a vested interest in that community. If you're not, jump in, join one. It was so fun. Over the last two weeks, we've had new, two new couples join the life group that I'm a part of, and I think we've got another couple coming in this week, and it's been great to incorporate more people into our little community uh, to look at what God wants to do in us and God wants to do through us. Ron said last week that spiritual growth takes place along the journey uh, in places where we make ourselves available to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, getting ourselves in places that would maximize our ability to develop as followers of Christ by being available to God. Putting ourselves in places where we would become more of the people that God wants us to be. In Genesis, uh, God says that he created us in his image. Uh, and 
Sometimes throughout our lives, that image becomes hidden. We can't see the person that God created. We know that that person is in there somewhere, but we can't really see it. But God is in this process as we walk with him of of uncovering and helping us to discover the people that he created us to be, that he wants us to be. And and so we're going to talk about opening ourselves up to God so that he can uh, make us the people that he actually had in mind when we were created. We sang a song last week, uh, and the lyrics said, Your will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself and bringing you praise. And I was singing that song, uh, and it brought a question to mind that we're going to dive into for the morning. What is God's will? What is God's dream? What is God's purpose? What is God's passion above all else? Because if the, the song that we're singing, that we're, we're lifting our hands and saying, God, your will above everything else, that's my purpose, that's my passion, we need to ask ourselves, what is God's will? What is God's plan for me, and what is God's plan for you, and what is God's plan for humanity? And God outlines some of that in Genesis chapter 12. He comes up to this guy named Abram, and in verse 1, he says to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Basically, he's telling Abram, leave everything behind. This guy uh, worshipped the moon, and, and, and he had some amount of wealth through his family, and, uh, and God says, you know what, that stuff is not working for you. Leave it, leave it behind. The gods that you tried to worship, they're not fulfilling you. They're not real. They're not true. They're not as big as I am. They cannot speak to you. They're just made out of stone, made out of wood. So leave that stuff behind and come into a relationship with me. Leave your family and come to the land that I will show you. That's that personal relationship, that foundation that Ron was talking about. Verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Two things are happening here. God's calling Abram to himself. He's drawing him into this intimate relationship. He's connecting to him. He's speaking to him. Uh, He's saying, come and be with me and and walk with me and talk with me and and, uh, give yourself over to me and I have good things for you. I will bless you. I will meet you. I will make your name great. A few weeks ago, Ron talked about faith with two sides of a coin. Do you remember this? Uh, The first side of the coin was this personal relationship that we can have with God. And that's what's going on with Abram. He's inviting him into a a personal relationship with him. And and then the second side of the coin uh, is what God wants to do through Abram. He says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. See, God says the same thing to us. He says, come with me. Be in relationship with me. Know me. The God of the universe wants to, us to know him. He wants to know us. He wants to talk with us and, and, and to engage with us and to bring a wholeness to our lives. He says, allow me to transform your life. And, and that's an amazing offer, friends. But if we aren't careful, uh, I think we get stuck on that side of the coin, right? Because uh, that relationship with God is, is huge. It's amazing. We could spend our whole lives just soaking up the promise of God that he wants to know me. He wants to love me. He wants to transform me. It's a powerful thing. But the God of, of the universe who wants to know me also wants to know you and you and you. He doesn't want to just stop with me. He wants to be known by the world. 
See, if we get stuck with that side of the coin that says it's all about me, what God wants to do in me, and what God wants to do through me, we miss what God wants to do in your life, in his life, in her life, in other people's lives. So God tells Abram that he wants to use him to bless the entire world. I heard a saying a while back, and maybe you've heard this. Uh, I grew up going to church, and so uh, off and on throughout my life, and so I heard this somewhere maybe in Sunday school, I can't really remember, uh, but somebody said to me, if you were the only person in the world, do you know what the rest of that is? Jesus would have died for you, right? It was like, he loves you enough. If you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. And I think that's true. I mean, that, that's exciting. That's good. But the reality is, I'm not the only person in the world, right? You're all here. You're testament to that. That I, in fact, am not the only person in the world. Um, in fact, there's something like 6.8 billion people in the world. There are something like 25,000 people, children, uh, who will die today because they don't have enough food to eat. That breaks down to like 1,042 people in an hour, 2,084 people in the time that we sit in church today, right? I'm not the only person in the world. There are other people in the world. I'm not saying that to depress you, but we need to realize that the world is broken, right? There's a lot of hurting in the world. There's a lot of pain in the world, and God is drawing the world to himself, that's his plan. That's his purpose. That's his vision. That's his dream. He wants to draw the world to himself, and he's inviting us to be a key part of that process through service. He wants you to know him, and then he wants you to go out and help other people experience him through service. I realize there's a danger in using stats. Uh, I, I watched the Haiti telethon on Friday night uh, because it was on pretty much every channel, uh, which, which is good. I needed to watch it. But, but the stat was so overwhelming that it's kind of like, what can I do, you know? I went up to Maria. She was upstairs, and I just had this overwhelmed sense of like, I'm just one person. What can I do in the face of this? And she said, well, we can pray. We can give what we can. Uh, we can ask God to show us what he wants us to do, and we can continue to pray. I mean, th- these are the things that we can do, but I felt overwhelmed. That's a danger in big statistics is they can overwhelm us, and we just kind of get stuck in that. Or they can just feel really impersonal. 6.8 billion people, that's just like a lot of stuff. 25,000 children dying, that's just like a big number. I can't really deal with that. It's too big for me. But ultimately, we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about people. We're talking about your neighbor who's struggling uh, to hold on. Hold on to her family. Hold on to her job. We're talking about that person in your class or or at work who uh, is just desperately lonely, even when they're around other people. We're talking about... uh, the family down the street or maybe the family that's down your row right now uh, who is trying to figure out if they have money to buy food and to pay the mortgage and to pay the bills. I mean, we're talking about people. People are hurting. People are struggling. People are crying out for something. They're crying out for God. And God wants to answer through you. And so I want to talk for a while about serving, because that's God's purpose, that uh, we would know him, that we would be transformed by him, and that we would go out and serve the world so that other people might know him as well. And, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that idea, right? Because God is so big, and God can do all these things, but he's calling us to take part in this process of, of drawing people to himself. 
I used to think when I was younger, uh, God would be better served if he would just take me up to heaven the minute I became a Christian, because I could probably do a lot more damage than I could good. Uh, when I, it's true. Those of you who went to high school with me or college, no, college I was a little better. High school with me, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but God didn't. God left us here because he wants us to be part of this. He trusts you. He respects you. He has uh, hopes and dreams for you, and he wants you to take part in what he's doing. So I think there are two great benefits to serving. Uh, the first is that as we serve, it helps develop us into the people that God created us to be. A few years ago, I was working with uh, some mentally and physically handicapped kids, and there was a little boy named Vladimir, and he was probably four years old. We called him Vlad. He was a cute little kid, uh, mentally and physically handicapped. Uh, he had issues with muscle control. In fact, he couldn't uh, open his eyes, and so he would have to, to stand here like this and pull his, his eyelid up so he could see you. And he would run around, and he would hit his head a lot because he wanted to play with the other kids, but he couldn't see very well. And so he would, I watched him run right into a slide one time and just go straight back. And, and, uh, and I picked him up, and, and as we were walking to the teachers, he started to throw up. He started to have uh, a reaction and throw up. And I felt myself pull back from him a little bit. You know, because he was throwing up, and it was kind of gross. And I, I didn't want to, but I had this, like, gut reaction. Oh, s- stay away. And even as I was cleaning up his vomit and cleaning him off, uh, there was that feeling of, I don't really want to clean up your vomit. This is gross. Well, I went home that night, and I was reflecting on that. Uh, and, and I got to thinking, I have this strongly held belief that I love people. Uh, but God started to show me, you know what? You love people when it's convenient. You love people when it's easy. But when this little boy is throwing up, you kind of pull back. I want you to love people when it's hard. I want you to love people when it matters, when they're hurting, when there's pain. And so I asked God, God, would you redeem that experience? Would you help me to love him more? Would you help me to care for him more? And uh, five days later, we were at a pool. It was a pool day, and I got paired up with Vladdy. And so I get into the pool, and he's standing on the edge, and he lifts his eyelid up to look at me. And he's wearing uh, just this little, like, uh, little kid kind of speedo thing running around, real cute little kid. And, and he looks up, and he just dives at me into the pool. And he wraps his arms around me. Uh, and he starts to show affection to me. And the way that he did it was he just started to drool on me and, like, lick me on the face uh, and lick my beard. I had a beard at the time. and lick my beard uh, because he, he couldn't talk. Uh, and he was just trying to—he was so excited. He was trying to show his love for me, and I, I got to embrace him and hug him and let him drool all over me. And, and God helped me to not be grossed out by it. You see, serving develops us into the people that God created us to be. It's easy to say that we love people when we never have to be around people, right? It's easy to say we're compassionate when we have, never have to do anything to be compassionate people. But when we start to do it, when we start to serve, we begin to rub up against people and they're broken and we're broken. And so the brokenness starts to hit and it starts to, to kind of uh, get soft and the edges start to get softened, and God begins to develop us into the people that he created us to be, people made in his image. But we can't do that unless we're actually serving, unless we're actually doing something. I thought I loved people until I actually had to clean up a little boy's vomit. And then God showed me that he wanted to develop my love. So serving people is a great development tool for you, for me. Uh, I I had a buddy come to me uh, a year ago. And he said, we hadn't been together for a couple months, just for various reasons. And he said, Kevin, I just don't feel like I'm connected to God. 
You ever have those feelings for a couple of months? I just don't feel connected to God. I said to him, well, what have you been doing to connect with God? Because we sang that song and we memorized that scripture, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I believe that's true. God's promise is that as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So I said, what are you doing to connect with God? How are you engaging with God? And he said, well, I read my Bible every day and I go to church once a week. I said, yeah? He said, yeah. I said, and? He said, then I don't feel connected to God. I said, well, as you read your Bible, where do you think, if Jesus was here today, where would he be? What would he be doing? What, what's the sense that you get as you read your Bible? And he gave me some ideas that he thinks Jesus would be doing if Jesus was here today. And I said, well, then go and do those things. Go and serve those people. Go and love those people. And my guess is you'll experience God. You see, we aren't going to develop as followers of God by hearing about him or by reading about him. Those will help us understand who God is more, to be sure. Those will give us things to think about and questions to talk about, to ponder, but will they really develop us? If you come here once a week, if you read your Bible at home, but that's all you do, don't be surprised if in a couple years you feel like I'm just not engaging with God. I don't feel like I'm being developed. My response to you will be, where are you serving? How are you opening yourself up so that God can develop you? Sure enough, he came back and he, he said, I, I'm, I'm engaging with God more. God is growing me. God's developing me as I, as I serve. So that first benefit is to you. God will make you more like him as you serve other people. The second great benefit to serving is that people will be naturally drawn to God. Jesus was talking to a group one day and they were trying to figure out how to live out this whole uh, Jesus thing, this whole Jesus movement. Uh, said, what do we do? How do we live it out? How do we experience full life? How do we experience truth and, and, and passion and, and all these things that you're promising? Uh, and Jesus responded to him like this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So Jesus looks at these folks, and he says, you know what? You are a light, as you're with me. He doesn't say you might be a light. He doesn't say, you know, there's some good stuff in you. He says, you are a light. Right now, as you follow me, you are the light of the world. It can't be hidden. As you do good deeds, people will be drawn to me. They're going to see that light, and they will praise God. When we serve people, they're going to feel loved. They're going to feel cared for. They're going to have their needs met. They're going to be fed. And they're going to be clothed. They're going to have houses. Uh, they're going to have someone to cry with them and someone to laugh with them. Someone just to listen when things are tough. And all of a sudden, they're going to experience God, the true God. They're going to be drawn to him. They're going to praise him. It's a promise that Jesus gives. As, uh, as we serve, people will be drawn to God. And so we serve people because it grows us. And we serve people because God's purpose in the world is to draw the world to himself, and he wants to use us to do that. And as we serve, people will see our good deeds, and they will praise our Father in heaven. I want to invite my friend Nick to come up here for a few minutes. Uh, he's going to sit in this chair here. Uh, so welcome up, Nick. Thank you.
Uh, as, we, as we wrap things up this morning, I want to take a minute. You can take your shoes off, bud. Uh, that'd be great. And your socks, too, if you want. Uh, I want to take a few minutes to look at how Jesus lived this out, this whole serving thing. Uh, and, and it comes in John chapter 13, and I'm drawn to John 13. God keeps bringing me back to it, has for a number of years. Uh, you go ahead and just, you want to roll your pant legs up. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then just dip your feet in there. I always, uh, I always wondered why God kept us with a dirt parking lot, and this morning I realized it. It's for a good object lesson, so I stole some dirt from our parking lot. Go ahead and, and get, get messy, bud. Here, there you go. There you go. That's nice. Uh, I didn't think that one all the way through. Um, yeah. You're going to hold that for one second. There you go. Uh, thanks. Yeah, that's nice. John 13. Jesus is, uh, <laughs> I'm like the headless horseman. In John 13, <laughs> in John 13, Jesus is, uh, is at his last meal that he's going to eat before he's crucified, before he's killed. Uh, and and he, the Bible says he's eating with his 12 disciples, his followers, these people who have shared life with him. And in the middle of uh, the meal, he gets up and he takes his robe off and he picks up a towel and he kneels down to these guys and he takes off his watch too because he doesn't want his watch to get dirty. Uh, oh. And he kneels down and the Bible says he began to wash their feet. And, and thank you. <laughs> Nick's been waiting for this for years. Here, we're going to switch over to this. Uh, he begins to wash their feet. And to, to understand what's happening in this story, we need to understand that, uh, that foot washing was something that only a slave would do, only a servant would do, the, the lowest of the low. You would never expect a teacher, a rabbi, to do this. We also need to understand that uh, Jewish men wore leather sandals in, in the Middle East. And they didn't wash very often. And it was hot and it was dirty and it was dusty. And so these feet were just covered with, with muck and with grime. And it was, it was gross, right? I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Have you ever washed someone's feet? It's a uniquely humbling and, and intimate experience. You're, you're looking at someone and you're, you have your, your hands on their feet and you're washing them. Uh, and it, it's a powerful moment to serve. And so he goes around to these guys and he's, he's washing their feet. Uh, and they're having some discussion around like, should you be doing this for me? You're the Lord. You're my teacher. Why would you, why would you wash my feet? Uh, and there are two things in this story that really hit me as I read it, that really challenge me about serving. Uh, the first is something that Jesus does, and the second is something that Jesus does not do. Uh, here's what Jesus does. Jesus goes around one by one, and the author says that Jesus knew the one who was going to betray him, the one who was going to turn him in, so that he would be beaten within an inch of his life, uh, and then he would be crucified. He knew who that guy was, and he went to that guy, and he washed that guy's feet, too. Now, it's one thing to serve your friends, right? It's one thing to love your friends and to care for them. If you come into this community, we expect that you would begin to love and to serve the other people in this community, your friends. That's just part of being a follower of God. But Jesus goes a step further. He washes his enemies' feet. He shows us what it means to love completely, to love your enemy by washing this guy's feet. And I'm challenged because uh, 
sometimes it's actually hard for me to serve my friends, let's be honest, but it feels almost impossible to want to serve my acquaintances, to want to serve my enemies, to want to serve the person who wants to take my job or the person who's bad-mouthing me. But in that moment, when we serve that person, uh, the Bible says that God is glorified, that people will see our good deeds and they will praise God. When we serve our enemies, when we love people who are acquaintances, when we serve people outside of the church, they'll be drawn to God. And isn't that God's purpose, that people would be drawn to him? So that's what Jesus does. He washes his enemies' feet. And the second thing that Jesus does that really strikes me—thanks, bud. Uh, You can put your shoes on and then cruise back down when you're done. The second thing that Jesus does, uh, or the second thing that, that challenges me, is something that Jesus does not do. He doesn't finish washing his feet and then say to the guy, your turn, right? He doesn't just, all right, now you wash my feet, right? That would make for, no, I don't want you to. That would make for a different story. If Jesus turned around and said, hey, I scratched your back, you scratch my back. That's how we do it. That's how it's supposed to be. That would make for a different story. If he said to the 12 disciples, all right, 10 of you each grab a toe and the other two get the foot. That would be different. That would be odd. But he doesn't do that. I uh, was driving to the church a couple weeks ago. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. Uh, I was driving to church a few mornings ago. This was a week ago before it started to rain. And uh, there was a girl, probably six or seven years old, in the front yard with her little dog. It was one of those little dogs. You know, I like little dogs. I have a little dog. Uh, and, and the dog ran out into the street while I'm driving towards it. And so I slow down because I have a small car and I'm afraid it will dent my car. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I slow down because I want to help this girl. Her parents aren't anywhere to be seen. I, I can't find them. They must be inside the house somewhere, maybe getting the other kids ready for school or something. And, and so I get out of my car and I begin to try to, to help this dog back into the yard by saying things like, go back into the yard, dog. Uh, good dog. I'm trying to be nice to the dog. The dog just starts barking at me and charging me uh, because it's a little dog, and that's what little dogs do uh, in my experience. And, and so it's charging me, and I'm kind of backing back to my car saying, good dog, get back in your house. And the mom comes out, and she looks at me, and she says, if you just get back in your car, it'll leave you alone. To which I had a whole bunch of responses in my head. But I I tempered them. uh, And all I said was, okay, I just didn't want to run over your dog, you know. Which is true. I did not want to run over her dog. It would dent my car. Um, When I got out of the car, I had a pure motive, right? I wanted to help the dog. I wanted to help the little girl. I didn't want her dog to get run over. I didn't want her to run out in the street and get hit and get hurt. I had, I had a pure motive. Somewhere in the process, though, I formed subconsciously some sort of expectation of something in return. I expected her somewhere to at least say, hey, thanks for trying to get my dog out of the road. You know, I'm so sorry that my dog stopped your car. You know, that kind of stuff. Subconsciously, I had this, this feeling that I should get something back. Uh, I think when we serve, especially in the church, we do it, with pure motives, right? We start out because we love God. We want to love his people. We want to serve his people. That's why we get involved in service. But have you ever had those moments where subconsciously some sort of expectation that you deserve something back sneaks in? 
you probably haven't. I have. Uh, that feeling where you're serving, but then you, you ask for something and it doesn't quite go your way or something isn't done the way you think it should be done. All of a sudden you have this feeling like, wait a minute, I give myself to serve. I deserve this. I deserve whatever it is. Or maybe when you're leading a life group and you pour your life into someone else's life to see them develop and grow, and then all of a sudden they, do, they make a choice that you don't agree with, that you don't like, and you have this feeling like they owe it to me to do the right thing. I've given myself to them. Do they think it's easy for me to lead life group every week? I get tired. I'm a person. I have a family. They at least should do what's right. All of a sudden our motives get switched, and it's, it's a real subtle switch, but it can be devastating to a Christian community. It can be devastating to the things of God when we serve and then expect something for ourselves in return. Jesus doesn't say, wash my feet, but he does give them something that they need to do. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should go out and wash others' feet. You should go and serve others. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. And verse 17 sticks in my mind. Now that you know these things, you were blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you actually do them. Jesus doesn't take off his sandals and say, now you better wash my feet. But he does say, go and love other people without expecting anything in return. Go and love. Go and serve. Go and care for them so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Where does this leave us? Well, God wants us to take part in his dream his purpose, his passion of drawing the world back to himself. That's why you're here. That's why you didn't just go to heaven the minute you came to faith in Jesus, because God has a plan for you, and that plan includes drawing the world to himself so he can bring healing and wholeness and fullness in other people's lives. And it happens as we serve, as we love. I'm not sure which area God is calling you to serve specifically. That's for you and God and your community of friends to figure out but I do know that God is calling each of us to serve in some way. Uh, Our challenge for this week in our little gray cards uh, is threefold. The first part of the challenge is try serving someone in your family this week. Uh, This, it it can be a tough one. Actually, that's number three, but it's number one on my list. Uh, This can be a tough one. Serve someone in your family this week not to get something back. Don't do the dishes so that they will then cook you breakfast the next morning. Do the dishes to serve them. Uh, Serve in the church. Try a first serve. We have all sorts of ways that you can serve in the church, and there's no strings attached. You just come and you try it out for a week, and if you like it, we keep you plugged in. If you don't, we move you somewhere else where you can serve. It's easy. It's not a huge commitment. It's a great thing to try to do this week. Or serve in the community. Get involved in some sort of community service. And, and I would challenge us. I, I've never been in a church like this one that has actually served so well to each other, where so many people are involved in serving. It blows my mind how giving and generous you are. And I would say our next step as a community is to serve 
outside of the church, to serve in our community. So I invite you, look at that one. Look at a way to serve outside of these walls, serve in the community that people might see your good deeds, might come to know God. I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group, join one and begin to ask these questions to your life group. How can we be serving together? What's it look like for us to share life and develop together as we serve in a life group? Uh, We had that conversation a few weeks ago in my life group, and it was fantastic, and we're continuing that dialogue even now. What are we going to do as a life group to serve in the community together? Because we know that that's how we're going to be developed. That's how we're going to be transformed. That's how we're going to become more like Jesus. I'll close with the last words uh, from our last scripture. You will be blessed if you do these things. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So let's do them together. Would you join me and let's pray? Uh, Lord, would you show us where you are calling us to serve, how you are calling us to love, uh, what it looks like to be drawn into an intimate and a passionate relationship with you that would then send us out into the community, send us out into the world to serve and to love so that others might see our good deeds and would glorify you, would come to know that you are true and you are real and you are the only God and that you are calling them into a relationship where you can bring healing and wholeness and fullness and passion in their lives. God, would you give us next steps? God, would you uh, bring us into smaller communities, life group communities where we could have these conversations together? Uh, where we could figure out what it means to, to, to live out this relationship with God that we hear about on Sunday mornings and that we read about in our Bibles. Uh, would you be opening up our life groups that, that we might be able to draw new people in uh, to love and to care for each other in deep ways and then to uh, move each other out into acts of service, of love, of compassion until everyone in the whole world would know you, uh, that you are the one true God who loves them, who's drawing them into a relationship with you. We pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.